Today's Words and Nerds podcast is sponsored by The Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh. If you were married to a serial killer, would you know? Steve Kavanagh's follow-up to the best-selling 13, 50-50 and The Devil's Advocate is his twistiest yet. The Sandman serial killings have been solved. Daniel Miller murdered 14 people before he vanished. His wife Carrie now faces trial as his accomplice. The FBI, the district attorney, the media and everyone in America believe she knew and helped cover up her husband's crimes. The only thing between a life in jail or free Freedom is Eddie Flynn and his team. Steve Kavanagh is the master of the twist and The Accomplice will keep you guessing right to the last page. The Accomplice is released in Australia on the 26th of July. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm Uh. feeling sick. Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. My name is Rory H. Mather, and today I'm interviewing two authors, Emily S. Smith and Amy Dungy, both picture book authors published by Larrikin House. Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for having us, Rory. It's a pleasure. Um, it's very exciting times because I believe this is your guys both doing your first podcast and this is also my first time hosting a podcast. So hopefully the listeners will be forgiving and understanding, but I'm sure we'll be fine if we just wing it and uh, edit out the bad bits. <laughs> <laughs> always, always count on the good work of a good editor. <laughs> Danny V will be amazing with that. Where do your ideas emerge from, Emily? Um, yeah, I wish I had a really good answer to that and I don't. So basically for me, it always comes at odd hours of the day. So if I'm just about to fall asleep, I'll suddenly kind of get this brainwave that happens and I'll have to like fumble with my light switch. And I tend to um, write text messages to myself or have like a notebook and pen next to my bed and write the ideas down. Another good one is when I'm in the shower. Again, I have to kind of stop mid-shower, write myself a text message on my phone, send it to myself, and then get back in the shower. Um, and driving, I get ideas then too. So it's that sounds dangerous. <laughs> yes. I have to kind of hold on to the idea as much as I can and be like, this safe, this safe, pull over to the side of the road, send myself a text message. Thank God for my phone. Uh, there is a lot of text messages to myself. Um, which probably seem quite odd. Uh, and also my Google history is also probably quite strange. So nobody ever check on my Google history, please. <laughs> so if you, yeah, if you die, so if you die, we'll make, if we die, we'll get onto your housemates. Just quickly clear no, that history. No, no. I feel like that is a very bad idea. Uh, there will be a eulogy that will no doubt mention that. And I feel it's something the world doesn't need to know. So. Fair enough. No, I'm, I'm the same as you actually. I've got a lot of text messages in my phone. Um, how about you, Amy? How, where do your ideas come from? Uh, I'm quite similar to Emily. They come at odd hours and I have been guilty of, as I'm falling asleep, 
having an idea about I'll definitely remember that in the morning and waking up and be like, what was it? That was such a good idea. I can't remember. Um, but I'm also a bit of a panster writer. So I'll get a line in my mind and start writing uh, and not know where it's going. So not really have an idea, just a line and go from there. So I have um, a similar thing with titles. I'll get a title and I'm like, okay, so what's the story? Yes, yeah. yes. And then I, you have to then, like, that's a great title. I'm sure that could be a great story. I've just got to think of the, the whole plot, <laughs> but the title's great. <laughs> Um, but I use um, my notes app a lot in my phone. Um, so it's filled with hundreds of titles or characters with no storyline. Um, I'll come back to that one day. <laughs> I will definitely write that into a story. <laughs> Never to return. <laughs> That's cool. So um, today we're going to be talking about um, your two latest picture books, guys. So Amy, um, yours is Dancing with Dragons, and that's your debut picture book. Um, Emily, we've got your latest picture book, Corica Plunk. And is, it, is that the full title, sorry, or is it Corica Plunk's Travelling Tongue? It's Corica Plunk's Travelling Tongue. It sounds interesting. sounds fascinating. <laughs> so can you talk us through, Emily, first, um, what is Corica Plunk's Travelling Tongue about? Um, give us a bit of the how it came about and all that sort of stuff. Sure. In the shower. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I can't actually remember where I was. This, this one might have been one of the ones where I was falling asleep. Um, and Cora Kaplung's Travelling Tongue is all about a little girl, Cora Kaplung, who uh, has a tendency to lick disgusting things. So blackboards, windows, her dog's tongue, stains on a shirt, gum on the ground. She just likes to, you know, really explore the, the sensory nature of licking things. Um, and her parents and everyone around her is like, you know, you've got to stop doing that. It's not cool. One day your tongue is going to run away from you. And sure enough, one day her tongue does run away. And it goes on this grand holiday to lots of different uh, countries around the world, tasting all the fabulous cuisines. Uh, meanwhile, Cora is left back home struggling. So it's kind of the idea of her having to realise and take responsibility for the fact that she actually has not been making great choices and to apologise to her tongue. And eventually there's, you know, a beautiful making up at the end where the tongue comes back home and they have a wonderful time. But there's a, there's a slight twist at the end there too. No tongue kissing, I hope. <laughs> no, thankfully it's a picture book and the child is probably about five. So no. That's good. That's good. You don't want to see that in uh, picture books. Although, you know, I was just thinking, you're saying it very sensory. I wonder if Larrikin could make a board book version where, you know, you get to sort of get a feel, touch a feel of what um, core is licking with that tongue that's really putting yeah. the tongue off. That would be great. Like the, the grey gum, the kind of sticky feeling of that and uh, the chalkiness of the blackboard or the sliminess of different textures and things. I think that would be really cool. I'd be down, Larrikin, if you can. I am also keen. All right, well, we'll talk to James about that one after the podcast, eh? <laughs> Love it. All right, Amy, how about you? Where, how did um, Dance with Dragons come about? Um, yes, yeah, so it's similar to what I was saying about how my ideas come about. This uh, Dancing with Dragons came about as two lines in my mind, like a rhyming pair um, about a little girl in the forest exploring, um, Rose. And I didn't know where it was going to go. And as I kept writing, you know, it, as, as it came about, um, she hears a strange noise and she inspects, she investigates, um, and she discovers two scary dragons, or she thinks they're scary. Um, and she finds out that they actually would like her to judge their dancing competition. Um, and then 
they dance for her and there's a bit of a twist um, and a happy ending, of course. Um, but yeah, it was a, I didn't know it was going to be dragons as I started writing, but that seemed the logical um, way to go. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a, um, yeah, panster style of writing with that book. <laughs> Fair enough. And do you dance yourself or? I, well, not professionally, Rory. Um, <laughs> Not in competition. <laughs> um, so we've talked about your picture books. I want to know what your favourite picture book is of all time. So I'll start again with you, Emily. Uh, really hard question for me, Rory, because in my other life as not an author, I'm an early childhood teacher. So uh, I love, 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 love story time with my kids at work. And to pick one is like trying to pick your favourite child. Very unfair, um, unjust bit mean I would think um I'm a bit mean but- so that's okay <laughs> um so I've kind of narrowed it down to ones I think for me mine are the ones that the children sit and engage with and are really great at group time for um so like wombat stew um those big green frog in the toilet hilarious I love that one um we're going on a bear hunt so great with the different that's a great one and PR that goes with it and the watercolor illustrations and then the black and white is just beautiful um the old lady who swallowed a fly is a perennial favorite um and I would like to include in this even though it's not technically a picture book the book with no pictures because I just think it's such a genius, genius book, even though it doesn't have pictures and that kind of negates it from being picture book realm. But um, I love that book so much and I just think it's so incredibly clever. It is a brilliant book. I, I've actually really thought about that because, you know, I read that book myself when I was working in public libraries and it was in our picture book section. So if it's not a picture book, what is it? What is it? I don't it's know. a book. <laughs> Weird. A, a book for younger people non-readers i don't know well we are answering the tough questions here wow fascinating all right um and same for you amy same question oh again yeah such a hard question to answer so many favorites i i'm definitely um a, a fan of rhyming books so um i love julia donaldson davina bell um Lin, uh, Lindley Dodd, the Harry McClary um, author. Um, I love all those books. But if I had to pick a favourite, I love Each Peach, Pear, Plum by Janet and Alan Arlberg, I believe. Um, old book, but classic, very simple but clever. Um, kids can recite it, you know, off by heart often. Um, but I did come across a, a new book the other day that is definitely holds a special place in my heart. It was called On the Other Side of the Forest. Um, it's translated from French, I think, and it's, oh, uh, but you've forgotten the author, but it's it's not a rhyming book, but it's beautiful. It's about a rabbit um, and his dad, and they want to know what's on the other side of the forest, but they can't cross it because of monsters and trolls, etc. Um, and so Dancing they go dragons. <Yeah>. Cannot cross. Um, so they start baking bread um, to sell for stones to build a tower to see what's on the other side of the forest. And I won't spoil the ending, but there's just a very simple but very beautiful ending that has no words. It's the, it's the illustration. And I, I know it gave me goosebumps when I read it. I love it. So that's probably high up there for me at the moment as a new favourite. All right. Well, we'll definitely be checking that one out. Um, and the other thing we're curious about is, so... You both write for kids, 
but obviously then there's other million other ways you could write you could be a, a poet you could be writing for adults or teenagers so what drew you to, to write for kids themselves emily uh my job as an early childhood teacher <laughs> um when i've got so much inspiration there um, when i was reading stories and kind of going oh i think i've got some ideas often i would do um I had these sock monkeys and I just create stories off the top of my head with these sock monkeys. And, you know, colleagues of mine were saying, you should kind of turn it into something. And I was like, "Mm -hmm, maybe I should actually start trying to do this properly. So I joined a writer's group, which was super helpful because my very early attempts were tragic and awful. So (laughs) it was uh, very good to join a writer's group and actually learn how to, to write and to critique and do a lot of different courses and things. So um, yeah, my role as an early childhood teacher, but I think I've always loved storytelling. Like drama was my favorite subject in high school and English was a very close second. Um, and there's something about storytelling where you can connect with people no matter what age they are. So the fact that I can have, like I'm working with one to two year olds at the moment and the fact that they will sit there for 15 to 20 minutes with me reading stories, I think is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and there's so much learning that takes place through that. So, um, yeah, I think, and, and kids are great and they get humour and it's just such a fun thing to do. It's so fun. And for me, writing silly, ridiculous things is probably, you know, very much on par with my personality and my personal brand. So That's yeah, true. That's we've, definitely seen, we've definitely seen be your um, personality come out on Instagram and uh, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm very pleased to hear too that your first stories weren't great because I think, um, you know, I think most of us can relate to that. And it's also, it's good to hear that when you, for the, those aspiring writers out there who are hoping one day to get a picture book out um, and perhaps they're feeling like their work is not up to par now, but obviously you've proven that you can get there if you just work at it. And I personally would love to see um, a picture book called This Story Socks about your sock puppets. <laughs> yes and what they get up to because they were some cheeky monkeys um absolutely but on that note as well um rory like some of the stories i write now are tragic and awful like i don't know what it, sometimes you get in the flow and things just flow and it happens and you're like this is great i've got ideas these are amazing and then other times i'll sit there for three hours just staring at my computer writing things and just being like what what is this trash this is awful and then it's like three hours has gone by and i have deleted everything because i hate all of it um so it almost comes in fits and bursts for me and at the moment i'm in a drought so that's fun but i did uh actually spend two weeks in isolation when um my housemates had covid writing a twenty-two thousand word um middle grade early chapter book um, so I feel like maybe that took all my creativity and now I'm just having a little bit of a run. I think we're all entitled to that stress. I think it's important to listen <laughs> to your mind and like, I think, yeah, rise block is everyone talks about rise block, but I don't think rise block necessarily exists as a bad thing. I think it's embracing that rise block because when it's time to write, the words will come. Absolutely. All right, Amy, how about you? Why do you write for kids? Um, I would, oh, similar reasons, although different background as em- to Emily I'm a speech pathologist and I um I love the idea of incorporating but I, you know I'm a fan of rhyme so you know adding those elements in but um I always wanted to be a writer it was always a dream um but I never tried not 
never tried at all um, until I had kids. Not a very original backstory. I know lots of people turn to writing when they're stuck at home with little babies, but that was where my journey started. I was stuck in bed with one hand free on my phone, um, typing with my thumb. Um, my first stories, which were also complete rubbish, um, but um, same as Emily, uh, great made great friends in the writing community um, who helped me along the way and um, yeah just grew from there um, but I agree with Emily the the writer's block sometimes like you go through these waves of you know lots of ideas um, and I, the, I hadn't written for a while and then I got stuck into this new idea recently and I was halfway through I think and I spoke to you Rory and I said How, what do you think about this idea and you had to <laughs> very uh, kindly burst my bubble that that exact idea has already been published which so happens so often so often it does there's it no does. unique ideas um but you saved me from the second half which was I was grateful for. <laughs> but I do think every idea, um, whether it's been done before or not, you can always come up with a fresh twist to make it a little bit different. Mm. So I'm hoping that's that your idea is still salvageable and that we'll see that one day. Yes, thank you. I will back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah. All right, next question. Um, can you talk us through your illustrations and um, do you have a favourite illustration from your latest book? Emily, we'll start with you. Oh, I don't think I have a favourite because I just think they're all so wonderful. When I saw the sketches of Cora Kaplunk, it was like, man, he has nailed this little girl's character. Like everything about her is kind of mischievous and wild and but she's still very sweet which is very much the character that she is and the way he has um personified the tongue is just brilliant like I think actually come to think of it the one there's multiple illustrations that I love and it's when the tongue is off gallivanting around the globe with all of the different um uh, cuisines but when like, like he's dancing with falafels and um you know hanging out with the sushi and they've all got um you know eyes and, and faces um, I love those ones. I think they're, they're brilliant. Um, but yeah, he, Pete, Pete Ultrick just absolutely smashed it out of the park. So, and that's what I love too about the creative process is I'll write the story and I'm not a super visual thinker in terms of, um, you know, being able to see what the characters might look like or what the settings might look like. So when I see someone take my words and put it into this visual format, blows my mind and it's always incredible what they do like these these illustrators are just phenomenal so Larry can have a really amazing talent for finding really impressive illustrators and, and pairing them up with their authors so I was very very lucky you know I totally agree Larry can um, have worked with some amazing illustrators and also obviously some amazing authors so hopefully you continue to see some great books coming out from Larry house yeah and um Amy how about you and um Actually, I meant to mention before, Emily, um, and we'll get back to, I'll ask this to Amy first, but um, mm -hmm. talk us through, Amy, um, when, those, when those illustrations first arrive in your inbox and talk us through a bit of the, bit of the process with picture books. So I know sometimes um, you'll get given um, like some character sketches or something like that. So can you just talk us through all that process and then tell us what your favourite um, illustrations from your book are? Yeah, sure. And as you know, I was fortunate enough to share um, an illustrator with you, Rory, um, the very talented Jesus Lopez, um, who did your Vlad and Vlad in Love book. So, um, 
and so the process was I was sent some sketches, character sketches in um, via email. So I think there are about six or so options for my main character, Rose, the uh, sketches. And so different hairstyles, maybe different eye styles and different outfits. And same for, there's two dragons in my book. So there were some different options for what the dragons could look like. And that was really exciting to receive and to have some input um, to get to say my preferences. So I think I, um, you know, I said, oh, I really like the hair on number three and I like the outfit on number four, for example. Um, you know, Dragon One, his, you know, amazing head, <laughs> great wings on number five, you know. Um, That's hail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hail is out of this world. <laughs> so just put all those together. Yeah, Jesus is so talented, as you know. And um, when I got the final coloured images, it, yeah, it really blows your mind because it's, Someone has taken your words and created these incredible uh, interpretations of them. And Jesus is very, I love his style where um, beautiful colours, but also just little details in the background. Same with your Vlad books, Rory. You know, there's these little things that you can find around the place. So my there's a final spread in my book that... Um, at the Rose's home in bed and there's just little details around her bedroom like the dress that she was wearing hung over the back of a chair or on the end of the bed um, and little teddy bears and it's just really sweet um, but my favorite spread is probably towards the end um, Rose is dancing in the moonlight with the two dragons and there's a big golden moon and the Rose and the two dragons are silhouetted in front of the moon with the jungle around them or the forest around them and it's really sweet image so that's probably my favorite totally fair i could actually i know that image you're talking about and it's one that uh yeah you could definitely have up on a wall or something like that it would be uh, really great frames now i want to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better so we're going to play a little game called two truths and a lie have you guys played this before yes yes i have Excellent. Well, I hope that um, I hope that you have something good for us. So we'll start with you, Emily. What are your two truths and why? And Amy and I will try to guess them. Okay. Well, I'm really an interesting person, guys. So I think this is going to be super hard for you. So, um, all right, here we go. Number one. I once had to leave work early as a child vomited all over me, and I had to drive home wearing dramatic play dress ups. That's number one. Number two, when I was seven years old, I was in a TV commercial selling doors for Doors Plus. Number three, I live in a mansion with eight male housemates, one Dalmatian and a ghost who we like to call Julie. Oh, that's a tough one. It's really tough. And <laughs> I really hope you do live with a ghost called Julie and I hope she's lovely. Um, so I don't think that's the lie. Um, oh, I was going to say, you probably did go home with vomit on you if you're a teacher, so that's probably true as well. <laughs> I'm going to go with the middle one, I think, that you weren't on a TV ad for Doors Plus. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate. I'm going to go with the first one. So I'm going to say you lied about uh-huh. your um, vomit. No, no, I have actually been vomited all over. Uh, it was during an orientation with a family 
which was great. So a new child was coming in and I was talking to them whilst holding another child who then proceeded to vomit all down the front of me and in my hair. And yes, I had to drive home in some beautiful dramatic play uh, attire. I believe it was a a little black skirt that uh, came midway down my thighs and a construction worker shirt. So it was uh, it was quite the outfit, plus, you know, all the vomit and things in my hair. Uh, I was not in a TV commercial. And I do live in a mansion with uh, quite a number of male housemates, a dog, and we have had some really weird things happen here. So we do think that it might be haunted and we just call her Julie. So whenever what? lights flicker... What's that behind you? It's Julie. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favourite book, Julie? (laughs) Um, Julie's not a big reader. She uh, is is more into the music and the uh, dimming of lights. I imagine she would probably like that um, book Ghost, though, by... um, Oh, Ghosty, yeah. Yeah, she'd be about that. All about that. All right, fantastic. Amy, how about you? Can we get two truths and a lie? Sure. Mine are not as exciting as Emily's because I'm not as <laughs> as Emily. <laughs> um, okay, my two truths and a lie. First one, my nickname was Shaggy at high school. Uh, I love coffee. And my third one is I grew up on a farm and had a pet calf called Wild Thing. Mm. Mm. I'm hoping that your nickname was called Shaggy. I'm hoping it's because you walked around all the school saying it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. The oh, see, song. I'm wanting, I'm wanting like the Scooby Doo vibe with like the shaggy hair. That's what I was feeling with that. Um, and maybe you um, are, are quite a scaredy cat. I don't know. Oh. I'm going to say that the lie is that you like coffee. I'm going to admit that I know the lie is that she likes coffee. (laughs) 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 I am not ashamed to say, well, maybe I'm a little, I've never had a coffee um, and I run off pure (laughs) sleep. Adrenaline. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some Coke Zero occasionally. And Emily, you were right. My nickname was Shaggy because of my appalling haircut that I had. That makes my day. <laughs> I, think <it's>, I'm, uh... <laughs> I think it's particularly impressive that you don't drink coffee, Amy, considering you've got two young twin dog, uh, toddler daughters. So, yeah, that's pretty, pretty wild. Maybe I should start. Look, it's never too late. It's definitely never too late. Look, you can just do shots, you know, kind of get like a little shot glass, put some um, instant coffee in, throw in a little bit of hot water, a little bit of cold water, and then just knock it back. Don't even taste it. And then you get all of the effects, but you don't have to suffer through if you don't like the taste. I think instant coffee, you really are punishing yourself right there. So don't do that. (laughs) Oh, hoity-toity paloity over here. All right. (laughs) You were the mansion, but anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. So we'll get on to our next question, uh, which is rhyme or prose. Now I know both of you have rhyming stories. So can you talk us through why you prefer using rhyme, or um, do you have any prose manuscripts up your sleeves, or that sort of stuff? Emily, you first. 
Yeah, I love writing in rhyme. I think it's because I love reading books in rhyme. Um, and again, I think it comes back to me being an early childhood teacher where those ones are the ones that kids seem to be able to recall um, because it almost has like a song lyric like vibe to it. So, um, and they're the ones that they, they, I mean, aside from the book with no people, but they, they love those stories. And I think I'm really drawn to it too. Um, for its musicality, like the, that that element of it with the rhythm and like the meter, um, the fact that you can rap things, you know, in the North Pacific Ocean was a muscle made of trash, a hungry, greedy, meanie with a handle bum stash. Like, that's just fun. Um, <laughs> whoa. No, no, whoa. Raps. <laughs> I know, that's right. MC rhymes a lot. Um, so I think for me, I enjoy writing in rhyme. I haven't written a whole lot in prose. It doesn't seem to come as, as naturally for me, um, but it could just be that I haven't found the right story because I think sometimes the, the concept is fitted towards prose more than it is rhyme, but um, for me so far, mine have all been um, rhyme pretty much. So, yeah, but when I'm writing for older age groups, it's not rhyming at all. <laughs> oh, so your 22,000-word manuscript isn't in rhyme? No, no, it's not. Um, I had a try and I gave up after um, like the first three stanzas. So no. Jeez, just ruined my day. But anyway, I think you're doing a great job with your rhyme there, Emily. So definitely keep doing it. And how about you, Amy? So what what draws you the rhyme? And do you have any prose manuscripts? Um, No, all rhyming manuscripts. I, as I've mentioned a few times, love rhyme, love reading rhyme. Love writing rhyme. I think similar to Emily, I love the way it sounds. I love the um, how it's lyrical um, when you read it. And I love with uh, that kids can, with rhyme, they can guess what the last word's going to be, which gets them more engaged and involved in the story. You can trail off on that, you know, that last word and they'll shout it out and they love doing that. I love um, when I'm writing rhyme, I love that there's kind of, I don't know if this is the right word, but there's almost like a science or a mathematical um, equation to it when you're writing it with the meter. And I kind of, that appeals to me as well. That is a formula is probably the word I was looking for, Um, that there's a formula to it. And I I like that. Um, And I would like to have a go at prose, but yeah, same as Emily, it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, So probably need to practice that a bit more. Um, but yeah, love well, reading good rhyme. I guess you probably don't need to practice it if you're doing good rhyme. I mean, like, why, why, why stop doing a good thing when, yeah, you're, I mean, if you're skilled at flying airplanes, there's no need to go learn to um, drive a submarine. It's not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a random analogy, but love it. It works. It works. Great so, Emily, analogy. I would love to see, I would love to see from Emily um, some YouTube rapping, to be honest. I, I <laughs> If I send you a copy of all my books, you reckon you could get a YouTube channel going? You know and- what? This could, be, this could be an Insta Reel series and just kind of bust out some raps for the, to the different uh, books, you know, and just have that as like my new bookstagram kind of thing. I think you could take TikTok by storm. Yeah, yeah, just really crack that out. Um, more than happy to do that. If anyone wants to send me books, I will happily uh, video myself rhyming and uh, wrapping them. Might even get like an outfit as well, just That'd really get real gangster vibes. <laughs> or like, you know, if I gave, if I sent you Vlad, I would expect you to dress up as a vampire. 
for that end? Oh, mm, I feel like I think that might be too challenging to find all of the costumes. So I think I'd need the one and just be in character as MC Rhymes a lot and just really bust it out. Oh, fair enough. Coming to you from Mozit. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Now, next question is um, a good one for the listeners out there who are um, perhaps starting their own journey. Um, and we want to hear about your journeys to publication. So talk us through the process. How long were you writing before you got your first contract? What did that feel like? And any tips or tricks you might have for people just starting out? Uh, So for me, I think I really started writing seriously, if I could call it that, uh, in about 2015 or 16 when I joined the writers group, um, my local writers group for for children. And that was, yeah, where I kind of learned a lot about the craft and discovered that there are conferences that you can go to where you can get your work in front of publishers did not know that was a thing learned about the actual submissions process where you can send things into um different publishing houses and they've got guidelines I was like what this is all new information I did not know this um so I learned so much just even in that first year I think um my, my learning curve was quite steep. Uh, and then, yeah, went to, I think, Kid Lit Vic a number of years in a row, um, Writers Unleashed, uh, entered competitions and things like that to get feedback and find out, am I actually completely rubbish or could I have a little bit of something here that I should continue working on and honing? Uh, it was nice to learn that I had a little bit of something, so <laughs> that was good. Um and so from there, just kept writing and um, going to different, yeah, the conferences basically and getting my work in front of the, the publishers was a big one for me. And then when Larrikin House came on the scene, I sent them um, Garbage Guts. And I think I actually sent Cora Kaplunk as well. And they were interested in both. Um, but because of the different timings and things like that, they came out two or three years apart. Um, but Garbage Guts, yeah, came out very, very quickly. So... Um, but I think that was down more to to timing and luck and um, just the team at Larrikin seeing uh, the the worth in in the stories and um, I guess the fact that yeah Garbage Guts has now been translated into Korean which is a little bit exciting I got the uh, hard wow. covers the other day sent to my house I was like oh my stars I'm international now <laughs> um, so that was pretty fun but yeah I think I think that was. Yeah, it's amazing. That, oh, well, yeah, that was my That's incredible that it's been translated. That must feel like such a proud feeling to know that. Yeah, it was it was pretty surreal. And I think like to know that it's Korea, it's like I wonder what they saw in it. Um, but yeah, very, very exciting. And seeing it uh, written in, in the Korean language as well is is amazing. So um yeah, very cool to see my name in, in the Korean characters. You might need to go t- test it out on some Korean people, though, to make sure the translation has been done correctly so that <laughs> you, you never know. You know what? My, the, the cook at my work is actually Korean, so I'm going to go and give her one of the copies. And she said it's actually just, it's not called um, Garbage Fats. It's called, I think, Trash Monster um, is, is the direct translation of the title. So, and I'm like, I don't mind. You, you can change the title. It's fine. So, no, that's, yeah. That's totally awesome. And it was it's fascinating to hear, like, you were obviously really, um, on the grind with your 
during the publication. Like you go into all those conferences, quite a bit yes. of travel in, in that, I would imagine. So it's really yes. shows that, you know, if you're a go-getter and willing to get out there, then, yeah, you can make things happen. It's great, great to hear. Yeah, and definitely going to workshops as well. Like I learned so much. I think I've gone to workshops with Tim Harris, uh, Jacqueline Harvey, um sue whiting is amazing there's been yeah quite a few that i've gone to and, and learned so much from so i think if you can get out there and um you know learn from the best and learn from the people that are out there doing it zani louise um yeah get, get amongst it because there's just such a wealth of information out there that you can learn from and better your craft excellent all right amy how about you what was your journey the publication like um so i I think I mentioned, so when my daughters were born, um, I, that's when I started trying to uh, write and I didn't understand rhyme the way I thought I understood rhyme. So that first manuscript that I was thought was amazing and I'm embarrassed, so embarrassed to say I sent out to some slush piles, which obviously did not get taken. Um, but then I spent a lot of time um, googling uh, how to rhyme properly and learned all about meter um, so google is your friend um, sometimes <laughs> um, in teaching you the craft I uh, joined some amazing critique groups I've got um, I think you'd all agree the writing community is amazing and um, I've made such amazing friends in this writing world and who are so helpful um, in critiquing and giving ideas and supporting um, yeah, like you said, Emily, those conferences are amazing and such a great way to network, um, to get one-on-one -on -one assessments, get feedback, uh, see presentations, learn about, you know, the whole industry. They're amazing. So I think I'd been writing about 18 months or so uh, when I went to my first CYA conference and I also entered the picture book competition for aspiring authors. And I was really lucky that I came second in that with um, my dragons book so I amazing <laughs> thank <Well> you. Done. <laughs> um, and I then after the conference submitted that to larrikin and was lucky enough to get a contract for it um, but yeah since then just lots of conferences and chipping away at writing and things like that but you know it does take time or, or you know of course there are people out there who get super lucky early on but for most of us it is you know, it's a long journey of refining your craft, go to the conferences, join the groups. There's some great Facebook groups um, that you can be a part of where you can ask questions and people are super supportive. So highly recommend those to anyone who's starting out. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, just a quick question for both of you on those ones with just in regards to your latest books, not all your books. Um, I'm just curious with the titles, like were the titles the same when you submitted them? as to what they ended up being, Emily? No, um, mine was Corica Plant's Runaway Tongue. But I think because Larrikin had the runaway legs um, we, and also the idea, the fact that, I mean, the tongue isn't running away, it's actually travelling, it's going on holidays. <laughs> so um, that was suggested by the, the Larrikin team. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's that's a better title. Let's do that. So, um, but yeah, no, it was it was just that one title change. But I think it was Corica Plant's runaway tongue um right from the word go and that alliteration that told us also really appealing i think mm, yes definitely and how about you amy did um dancing with dragons change over the years or yes it did so it started out as the girl who danced with dragons which i never particularly liked so i was very grateful when larrikin suggested changing it um 
and the Itcha Dancing with Dragons. Um, I think the girl who danced with dragons, although sort of similar to the title it ended up as, it did give away <laughs> pretty much the whole story. <laughs> um, so it was probably a good change. <laughs> it also reminds me of the girl with the dragon tattoo. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not remotely appropriate. <laughs> You know, it is funny because when you Google, if you, if you ever search Amy's book, um, one of the George R. Martin, the guy who wrote Game of Thrones, one of his books um, or two of his books, are, I think it's A Dance with Dragons. So if you search it, sometimes you'll get George R. R. Martin. So, I mean, hopefully you, you're opening up a whole new market where people who love the Game of Thrones are looking at your book and being like, well, perhaps that's a prequel. I don't know. And yeah. <laughs> the market I was going for is people who love Game of Thrones that is who I was aiming my story at about a little girl well I I think also um, it's the parents who watch the Game of Thrones and then they buy the book for the children and be like it's like the same but different (laughs) well hopefully those parents listen to this podcast and hopefully they all go pick up a copy of both your books Um, yes so I also want to know, are there any challenges you come across when you're writing? Like anything you really struggle with or um, perhaps you're just absolutely brilliant and you have no challenges and you just live a blessed life? <laughs> yes, I am brilliant all of the time and all of the ideas come so easily to me all of the time. Uh, no, oh my God, like I said before, I'm currently in an idea drought, particularly for, uh, for picture books at the moment. I don't know. Um, what's happening but or I write things I have ideas but I just can't seem to to get the plot together like the plot points just aren't seeming to fit or I have like plot points but I can't get work the story Um, uh, or I have the title and I, I just can't see where it's happening like the pieces aren't falling into and I just think that the muses are, are just playing a little game with me at the moment and saying, oh, we've given you some ideas, but you are going to have to work very hard for the rest of it. Yeah, no, at the moment, um, I don't know what it is. And I've tried like the, the morning journaling exercises where you just write things out and read the, the uh, artist's way um, and tried those different things, taking myself out on artist dates. But I just am going through a bit of a dry spell. But I think the fact that I worked quite hard at the beginning of the year might have something to do with that a little bit so yeah for um, sure just just allowing myself that the space and the freedom to kind of go you know what you can't be super productive and super creative all the time um just let it go a little bit so but yeah sometimes the the plot um is a bit of a challenge for me the plot points creating a twist at the end you know how you always want a twist at the end and sometimes it's like i don't know what the twist is i don't know how to to kind of create that um the rhyming in the meter isn't often an issue for me um but yeah it's it's kind of more those the nitty-gritty of, of the storylines themselves and making something that's unique and has um, points of difference that that's enough and I think sometimes for me I get stuck in my head about oh is this marketable is this what somebody wants is this you know would a publisher want this and it's like can you not do that anymore can you just take a step back stop thinking about all the rules stop thinking about all the things that you're supposed to do and write the story that you find fun and engaging for yourself. So I'm kind of having to unlearn a little bit of the stuff that I've learned, um, perhaps to try and get back into that space again. I think that's excellent advice, Emily. Um, I think, yeah, that's, that's spot on. With You can definitely overthink it and get so caught up in writing for commercial or um, trying to fit the formula 
that, yeah, you just write nothing. So that's excellent. Thank you so much for that. Amy, how about you? Do you have any difficulty with your writing? Um, I think I'm my own worst enemy with my writing because I, um, I, I think I'm a perfectionist. I'm not saying that my work is perfect, but when I write, I will not move on from a line until I'm absolutely happy with every single word. Um, and I think sometimes it would be more um, efficient if I just wrote out ideas um, and then came back and refined, but I won't do it. I will never let myself do it. I won't move on until I'm happy with every word. Um, so it's a very slow process. Um, I'm very jealous of people who write quickly. It's, um, yeah, slow for me. I think that's probably my main challenge, but I, that really resonated what Emily said about um, you should write what you want to write rather than worrying too much about uh, what people want. Like what, what do publishers want? Um, you know, oh, they've already got something like that. Yeah, so you don't always have to write, especially not for a particular publisher, um, but just think about what you want to write. What maybe if, you know, if you work with kids or you've got kids or you know kids, like, you know, what, are, what would they maybe like to hear or what makes you happy to write? You know, if you're happy writing funny stories, then write those. Don't try and uh, shape yourself into, or if you don't write funny stories, don't, you know, kill yourself trying to, write that if that's not what comes naturally I think yeah write what comes naturally I think you're spot on like I think oftentimes publishers probably don't really know what they want so trying to write to a formula of what you think they'll want is probably counterproductive because you could just write what's exactly coming from your heart and that's exactly what they're looking for but no one really knows until it's in front of them yeah for sure that's excellent guys um, a bit of a random question for you now. I want to know, is there a picture book out in the world? And it can be from like a recent one or it could be one from 50 years ago. So like some Dr. Seuss or Eric Carl or something like that. Is there a picture book you wish you had written? Um, I've got, well, I'd like the book with no pictures again because I just think that's, I, like, I, just, I think it's so amazing. I don't know. The, the, the concept of it and how much kids respond to it is is amazing and I just wish I had that kind of skill and talent to have come up with that and gone this is amazing um but the very hungry caterpillar man I wish I wrote that (laughs) it's got board books it's got puppets it's got you know flashcards there's all sorts of things that kind of go along with it. Imagine having written a book that then gets turned into almost its own empire, like its own brand. Um, and it's such the simplicity of it. Um, but my, my one to two-year-olds at the moment are obsessed with it. We've got this big giant board book with the holes in it so that the um, caterpillar puppet can actually go through it. Brilliant. I love that. Um, so if I could have written that, man, I would have loved to have written that one. It is an absolute classic. I would say it's probably actually my in my definitely my top five, probably my top two or three. Um, I often wonder though with those old manuscripts because you know it's un like it's definitely brilliant, but I wonder whether it would be as popular today in a world where there are just so many picture books as it was when it first came out. When like there was obviously some picture books, but they were a lot less common. Yeah, true, true. And, and would it have been picked up with its simplicity? I don't know. Kind of like um, Rod Campbell's Dear Zoo as well, because it's, it's the similar kind of thing. Very simple. But, man, I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, in a different time, in a different, in a different age with 
um, yeah, all of the all of the competition. Is it nostalgia that makes people love it so much and continue to buy it? I don't know. Well, I guess that's probably one of the questions in this podcast that we won't be able to answer, but <laughs> something for the listeners to think about. How about you, Amy? Is there a picture book you wish you had written? I mean, the Gruffalo, because then I'd be super rich. Um, but <laughs> I'm seeing a trend here, guys. Like, you want an empire, you want to be super rich. Um, two, I two come to mind. The, um, we're going on a bear hunt. I just think it's genius, uh, genius concept. Um, but I read one recently, um, I think I've spoken to you about robots it's called The Girl and the Dinosaur by Holly Hughes. Um, and I read it and it's just, it's perfect rhyme in my, uh, in my opinion. And it's sweet. And it, I just love the meter that's used. I love it. It's really gorgeous. Um, about a little girl that has no, well, looking for a friend. Um, digs up some bones on the beach um, and wishes on the nights at the stars at night for her dinosaur to come to life, which it does. Um, and they go on an adventure. And so, yeah, it's just a gorgeous book. I wish I wrote it. <laughs> well, it does sound pretty, pretty special. And hopefully um, that author, what did you say her name was? Hopefully she's listening. Oh, Holly Hughes. <laughs> I think she might live in the UK, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure words nerds is global. So if, if, it, <laughs> yeah, if it's not. Absolutely. If it's, if it's if not. Listening, <laughs> we know if, if she's not listening i'm sure after hearing about these two celebrity authors we have with us today she'll definitely be listening after that yeah all right um one final question for you both and it's a bit similar to what we talked about before we talked about before about why you write for children but i want to know just broadly why do you write um is there something that that are you drawn to it or yeah are you just addicted yeah, um, I I think for me, I I love the sense of creativity that kind of comes from it. I love storytelling. I love the idea of creating something that is then going to touch the lives of children. Um, the idea that I can make a bunch of kids laugh and and be engaged and develop a love of books is is big for me. Um, I think too, when I'm writing, it's almost sometimes when, when I'm in the flow, it's almost like a meditative thing. And it's this real sense of, um, accomplishment and enjoyment. Um, if I can make myself laugh when I've written something like that's, <laughs> I don't know, it's a bit weird, but if I'm like, ah, Emily, that's really funny. Um, like that's, that's fun. And I think, uh, I, I just enjoy going out in the world and, and, you know, making kids laugh, making people laugh and just spreading joy wherever you can because I think that's, you know, something that perhaps there isn't enough of. And if I can do that through my writing, then, um, you know, I, that, that's something pretty big, I think. So, yeah, a whole, a whole bunch of things, but I, I just love it. I love the creative process, even when it's difficult and I'm sitting there for hours upon hours and straining because I'm not in the flow. When I'm in flow... That feeling is amazing. So, yeah. Totally relate to that. That's so good. How about you, Amy? Um, why do you write? Oh, yeah, I relate to everything Emily just said. I think it's that creative outlet, um, being able to uh, you know, ignite children's imaginations with your words or the world you've built or the concept you've put on paper. Um, the idea that families are sharing your book or schools are sharing your book um, and 
enjoying them is such a motivator. But I think there's this a real sense of accomplishment when you finish a story and and you get to, you know, send it to your friends or, you know, critique group and you just feel really proud that you've finished something and created something new, hopefully, <laughs> unless your friend already tells you you've copied it or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but for the most part you've created something new and it's exciting I I love the moment when I finish something and the first person I show is my husband and you know if he finishes it and you know he's pretty honest critic so and if he says that you know oh that's you know that's really great um that's you know pretty special moment but one day I picked my girls up from school and, and they were in the library and the librarian was reading my book and that was a pretty that was a highlight of you know, wow. my one of my daughters goes, my mum wrote this. <laughs> and that was just the super sweet moment. Um, I mean, I don't live for the spotlight, <laughs> but that was a pretty sweet moment. Um, yeah, I think it's just the creative process. It's really fun. I had a little boy's mum contact me to tell me how much he loved garbage guts to the point where for his birthday, he wanted a garbage guts cake. And so she made him a garbage guts cake and it was incredible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, someone wanted my character as a birthday cake. It was beautiful. That is so special. Wow. And the the funny thing is, so like, um, obviously kids are falling in love with our characters, but if you were to rock up to their birthday party, they'd probably like have no idea who you were. So. (laughs) Very true. Well, guys, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast this afternoon. It's been great chatting to you both. I'm really excited to see what you both do with, with in the future because I, I, I love personally love both your books. Um, I love I love rhyme generally, and I think you're both rhyming experts. So I really look forward to see what you do next. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Rory. And um, right back at you and like all of your success at the moment. I mean, kudos to you. So you are absolutely slaying those author goals. So This well podcast isn't about me, so shush. <laughs> well, I'm still doing a kudos and a shout out to you anyway, Rory. <laughs> oh, thank you, Emma.